there's this kernel inside everybody who wants to be together with someone for the rest of their life. And we're getting together, but we're deeply uncertain about the whole, is, should this be permanent for the rest of our lives? Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to our episode of What We Can't Not Talk About, the podcast of the Alstead Institute for the Study of Family and Culture. And with us today is one of our senior fellows, Professor Mark Rignerus. Good morning, Professor Rignerus. Morning, Mariana. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks. So for those very, very few out there who do not know you yet, I would just say that in addition to be a senior fellow at the Austin Institute, you are a professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Austin. You are the author of nearly 40 articles in peer-reviewed journals. And, well, I must say your bio says you are the author of three books from Oxford University Press. Mm. But I assume we need to update that, right? Yeah, we should. And I guess the fourth one is exactly, well, is one of the main reasons we wanted you on this podcast, the fourth book being The Future of Christian Marriage, which was released recently, right? When September 1st, 2020. Okay, so The Future of Christian Marriage. What is The Future of Christian Marriage? Well, The Future is secure in some ways. The book talks more about how Christian marriage has been affected by trends affecting marriage in general around the world. And I think it's clear that marriage is receding everywhere, including in the church, the United States, and throughout the West. But it's never going to disappear. So the future is secure in that sense, but it can slide a long way and do considerable damage to, to people, to families and, and to the church before it sort of bottoms out, which I'm not sure when that is, but marriage will never disappear. In this book where you're writing about the future of Christian marriage, I take it that you're mostly describing the present at correct. first, correct? Yeah. yeah. So I end with uh, some predictions, but predictions are just that. You know, you're kind of reading into the future, but, you know, so much about the future has completely yet to be revealed to us, so you're making educated guesses, and you're more likely than not to be wrong somehow. At the same time, marriage is a natural institution, so we could even rename it something else, but its central characteristics, the bond itself, the giving of a man and woman to one another, that's not going to disappear. Yeah, I, I have a quote on this. I mean, I read your book, and I must say that as a 35-year-old, not married Christian woman, I think there was a lot of truth in there. And I want you to tell us more about some of the things I think are the main truths, but about this. So basically, you're saying marriage is not a social construct. That's the thesis you defend. Mm -hmm. And say, you do say, make no mistake, the core of marriage and its four key supports, which are... Totality. Yes. Fidelity expectation or anticipation of children, if they're possible, and the expectation of permanence. So, yes, you say this core and this key supports may be socially reinforced, but they are not arbitrary. Right. And marriage is not ours for their making. We can undermine some of its pillars, but it only recedes. You do not change it. Alternate visions may be buttressed for a time, decades even, but the energy and resources it takes to prop up public opinion 
that marriage is something other than what it is will vain eventually. Right. And you make this point very clear and you sound, I must say, you know, one is tempted following your analysis and your scientific writing that you are very right on this. But what makes you so sure? Yeah. I call it in the, the, the book the observed model of marriage. Hmm. Now, people will still come to the conclusion that this is what Mark thinks marriage ought to be. Hmm. I, I think that's not quite correct. <laughs> when you look at what marriage is over time, and when you look at what people expect from it, and how they operate typically within it, not every marriage, but marriage in general, when you pool them together, I think this is what you see. There's a lot of socially constructed aspects to how marriages go, and how people think about their own marriages, including Christian marriage. You know, what people think about Christian marriage or what makes a marriage Christian is, is certainly there are components of that that are socially constructed. So I'd say in the book, like if, if people think marriage should resemble and signify headship of men over women, you know, not every Christian thinks that. Plenty of Christians don't. That's a social mm. construction. Catholics think that marriage is kind of a central component of how people get their spouse to heaven, right? Mm, yes. There are plenty of people who have, like, I've never heard of that before, right? Mm. So we can't say that is a key universal part of the, the meaning of Christian marriage, right? So the, the more I studied this, because I set it out to be a book about Christian marriage, right? Yes. And then you see great diversity within Christian marriages, but what do you see as kind of the universals. Where do you, what do you see that is they hold in common? Well, they hold in common things that they hold in common with people who are not Christians, right? And so I learned more about marriage in general than I kind of thought I would. And so that's where I sort of so you, discern you basically that say confirming that it is a natural institution. It is. Mm. Uh, not everybody believes that, but uh, you know, it has been. It was before the church. Mm. It will be. It's there to start. Far into the future, right? So what we learn is like, when how, how do I know these aren't socially constructed, these expectations? Yeah. Well, I mean, who expects when they marry that their marriage will fail and would be happy to openly admit that? No, we, we all kind of think and hope and intend for marriage to last, even if it doesn't, right? So clearly, like, this is not a socially constructed piece. We didn't just make this up and say, oh, marriage has to be permanent, no, no, no. Permanence is what the heart longs what for. What we expect, yeah. Right? If I may, you know, tempt to is what sort of what we expect for friendship, right? We don't expect a friend to betray us, and because of sort of friendship is and something natural, like what we call friendship is in itself that thing. Right. Um, is that? Yeah. Yeah. What I would like also to stress is so this book is not what you think marriage should be, but is the result of sociological right. research. Right. So we interviewed almost two hundred young adults between the ages of roughly 22 and 40 across seven different countries. Church-going Christians, basically. Some, we came to find out, were a little bit less devout than others, which turned out to be actually ideal because then you can kind of compare how they think about this with how other kinds of Christians think about this. So, I know you, you interviewed in different countries. Mm -hmm. uh, I choose the countries? Yeah. What, what I mean, why, though? Yeah, well, there was a couple others that were supposed to be in there that didn't wind up making it in there. I was supposed to do interviews in India and then possibly in Singapore. Huh. So somebody pointed out to me recently, like, you missed Asia. Well, technically, I didn't miss all of Asia since Lebanon is in far West Asia, but we don't think of it mm. in Asia. Right. So 
But yeah, I missed the Asian countries, and it's uh, that was regrettable. I thought I was getting interviews from there,、mm. and they did not materialize. But the, so the ones you chose are for、US、different reasons: Mexico, Lebanon, Poland, Russia, Spain, Spain, and Nigeria. Nigeria. Yep. Some of it was because、uh, I wanted geographical representation. I wanted representation of different kinds of Christians, evangelicals, Pentecostals. Orthodox in Russia, so each of them had a reason for being in it. Although I, you know, I could have selected some different kinds of countries、mm. for sure. Okay, so, but what you saw among these seven countries was more or less compare. Like you, there were these things that we were talking、yeah. about. Like the、yeah. one thing. So one thing I want to talk to you about, like one of the biggest truths I found. There are two、um, that I would like to expose to our audience in this t- short time we have. The first one, you say, marriage went. In this younger generation, from foundation to capstone, right, right.、Yeah. Is, could you just tell us? Sure, I didn't make that up. That's been discerned by sociologists for quite some time, and so I cite Andrew Cherlin, professor at Johns Hopkins, who's talked about that for a couple decades now. How we approach marriage has shifted, and how we think about marriage has shifted. So it's more about its meaning than its function, right? We think about marriage as something that you aspire to, that you have to plan for, you have to become marriageable over time. So basically, we've kind of, in some ways, almost monetized marriage. Like, oh, I have to save up for an expensive wedding. I have to get a good job, maybe a house, a car. All these things make you more attractive, in theory, right?、Mm-hmm. Instead of the culture of kind of marriage naturalism, where oh people just do this in their twenties, basically, right? I mean, in step with fertility and things like that. I grew up in rural Iowa, and、uh, there was a sociological study that, that compared marriage naturalists and marriage planners, and most of the country is now sort of marriage planners. We, you have to sort of give. Marriageability, your attention, and you have fixed ideas about like what it looks like in terms of money, time, so career. You have to you have to live an excellent, praiseworthy, successful young adulthood, and then you become marriageable. Okay,、right? so I bet that all the young adults that are listening to us today like,、uh-huh, would say, "Of course, absolutely, <laughs> yes, that's the only way we'll look different." <laughs> So. Yeah, was it any time different? Was it? Of course, absolutely. It has been. This is the new thing, right? The last twenty. So yeah, this is that's the things that probably new generation take for granted is right, that the reality、right. you live in is well, the only one. There's so much competition, right? In terms of the the mentality we sort of imbibe, we think about like, oh, we have to become something, and then we'll become able to get married,、Marriage、right? Whereas, like, instead of that. How about you accomplish things together through marriage, right? I was, I'm probably one of these sort of, not the last. It, it still happens, of course, but、um, we married rare, at twenty two, in part because it just seemed like well, that's the thing to do,、uh, and we had been dating for a few years. So, and I wanted to go to graduate school, so it was kind of like this idea of like, oh, she'll work me through graduate school, right? And so that、yeah. you know that made sense. We accomplished it together. Instead of the mentality of like, oh, I need to get my advanced degree, get my、Job、career settled,、house. and then I'll look around and see who's marriageable.、Yeah. By then, I would probably be in my early thirties, and like, 
So in the background for Christians is this you know, idea of you know chastity. Like, I mean, I, you just can't convince me that men or women will be consistently chaste until they're like thirty something, right? I mean, it's just it's unlikely, uncommon, and like, and frankly, unnatural, unnatural. right? Yes. So uh, I didn't pursue that line of inquiry in this book. I have in some previous uh, writings, but so. You don't start with the foundation anymore, which is marriage, and then build a life together and accomplish things together. Now the mentality is, I have to build my own foundation, you have to build yours, and eventually, well, you know, the capstone, the the finishing touch to a successful young adulthood, ah, let's get married. Yeah, like the cherry on top of the perfect cake. Exactly. Yeah, you mentioned that, and you also mentioned that this is many times also bad advice that we've been given by parents or peers. But I would like to talk about those solutions maybe on another occasion. What I would like also you to tell us about is the online dating side. Because I think that Mm -hmm. there was this chapter on uncertainty and some people say, oh, people are not getting married, including Christians, because that's what's the book about because of money issues and economical Mm -hmm. uncertainty. But you bring about... That uncertainty, that if I may still read a sh- very short passage from you, what it is related to that is, when I got married, I wasn't saying no to anyone else, just yes to one particular woman. Right. There was no one else in the running, but with online dating services, getting serious tend to involve a more active turn away from other possibilities, however remote. Yeah, a truer statement cannot be said <laughs> about how the situation is today. I remember talking to one of the interviewee he said it's so easy to find someone you know so then you think about like why aren't people marrying there's such great uncertainty about this stuff and then at the same time he's saying oh finding someone not to marry just to partner with hang out with etc is so easy today Hmm. right this is the challenge right there's this kernel inside everybody who wants to be together with someone for the rest of their life and we're getting together, but we're deeply uncertain about the whole, should this be permanent for the rest of our lives, right? Mm. Uh, you get to know this person, you see their flaws, etc. And it's not, in my case, it was like, I had no other options at the time. <laughs> sure, I could have gotten married years later, no problem, I suspect, maybe. <laughs> but that just wasn't the reality. Like, finding someone, anyone even for a date, took work, right? In a way that <laughs> doesn't take much possibly, work right? today, yeah. right? Yeah. The situation has changed. We now have to sort of think about like closing the door on possibilities. Mm. And some of it's this mentality thing where we make up these other possibilities in our head as something that they probably aren't, right? Women and men, to some extent, certainly get used to that and think, okay, all these people who are asking me to... to swipe right on them yeah. you know i i figured this out by now they're no good right i mean you, you kind of mm-hmm. you can you get that kind of a perspective i think over years of online dating but it still remains in your head like well what if i just what if there's someone someone else out there instead of sort of saying like this is the one i'm gonna make it work with it's a different mentality you mentioned uh, as we were speaking uh, that I don't know if it was uh, who was that told you once that you oh, was this a saint that said that that you always married the wrong person. It was not a saint. Uh, he'd be the first to say he was not a saint. Okay, <laughs> I'm blanking on. Is a Duke 
university professor of okay. theology. <laughs> and writing about marriage, he always exclaimed, you know, you will always marry the wrong person, which means like, Forget this sort of ideal match made in heaven mentality. Hmm. You marry another human being, and we all know what human beings are like. <laughs> Ourselves. <yes. laughs> all right. Well, Professor Ignaris, the, the I think the, one of the greatest part also of the book is your positive outlook on it. Not only because you say marriage is there to stay, but also because you have some practical suggestions on what to do to recreate a culture that is friendly to marriage. However, I would, if you agree with me, I would welcome you back on our next, um, on our future episode and so that our audience will be able to listen a little more about these suggestions, how to make marriage work, including among Christians who seem to be slow <laughs> in getting married. Happy to do that. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Professor Margarineris, and thank you all for listening. Thank you.